This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 of one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds that responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique, limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, a credentialed reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts or podcasts to get the latest episodes. Ah, if you're listening to this, a truly incredible effort on your part. I have to say I am so impressed with all of you because you are truly dedicated fans of the team, of this podcast, of me, for whatever reason. Hello, Mom. Uh, I also want to tell you that this is a pretty bad night as far as the Miami Heat are concerned. I think this is the low low point of the season pretty clearly. So kudos to the Washington Wizards, I think, for delivering the low point in Miami season for two consecutive years. Whatever happens from here on out, if Miami gets significantly worse, well, I guess there's always next year to look forward to. Maybe something dramatic will happen. If they get significantly better as a result of this beatdown, and it wasn't quite a beatdown, it was a 103-100 loss. I don't even want to talk about the game itself, but just what the ramifications are of this. If they are able to improve from here on out, well, then again, at least this was the launching pad of something. But I cannot get past how how dire it feels right now. And, you know, I, I have been through this point before covering this team. There was always the 11-30 and 30 season where every new loss was just abysmal. You didn't really know what to make of that roster. And that was different, right? You know, because that team had nobody on it. Goran Dragic still figuring his way out. Uh, Chris was no longer part of the picture. Goran was still trying to take over the team. Justice Winslow was hurt. Josh Richardson was still figuring out. Dion was inconsistent early on, and then all of a sudden just clicked into place along with James Johnson and a couple other players. Derek Williams, you know, phenomenal talent at Arizona, could have carried this team to greatness and just never really had a, a, an established NBA career. But other than that, it was just really ugly to watch that basketball. You know, Luke Babbitt playing at the four, James Johnson occasionally, Derek Williams. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm rambling here a little bit, but mostly because that team is what I associate with doldrums. Like since then, yes, they've kind of been meandering a little bit. They've been in a little inconsistent. They missed the playoffs in Dwayne's last year. And of course, there were even rough spots last season. The Wizards lost being uh, the one that stands out. Garrison Matthews, noted random scrub heat killer. Uh, not quite as impactful tonight, but last season he was uh, absolutely deadly. In any case, you look at this roster. And you look at this team and what they were able to accomplish last year. And yes, so many different issues that are impacting this group this year. From off the court to the world around them to the actual health concerns of players that are on this roster. And yes, there are built-in excuses for why their record has been bad up to this point. But none of that seemed to matter tonight. They had a convincing lead. They were beating up on the worst defense in the NBA. They were able to limit Bradley Beal in the second half, mostly. 
It seemed like they had everything going their way. Even even when it was late in the game and they had to come back yet again and build another lead, similarly to the last game against the Charlotte Hornets. Another big lead late in the game, and they just fall apart. I, it's watching this team is unrecognizable. You don't see this from the Heat anymore, this effort. And that's what I was trying to get at yesterday when I was talking with Rowan Nodkarni of Sports Illustrated because, yes, the defense is bad, the offense is not great, but there seems to be something missing here. And I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's a spark. I'm not sure if it's a drive. I talked about it a couple weeks ago, the difference between this team and the Lakers, separating talent and everything else, and, of course, all the off-the-court issues that have impacted this group from their health and COVID and everything else in between. But you look at what they had to go through in the bubble, being in there as long as everybody, longer than anybody else other than the Lakers, and then to go there and invest so much energy into this championship run and to fall short because it got taken from you because of injuries, not because of a talent disparity. And then to have to restart the season a month and a half later, two months later, with basically the same group intact, minus some key players and Derek Jones Jr. and Jay Crowder in particular. And all of a sudden, it just feels like you're, I don't know, you're spent. I, the analogy I keep coming back to is like your, your butter spread thin over too much bread. You just can't have the same kind of energy levels that you were able to muster in the bubble. And yes, they had their season interrupted by COVID in mid-March. I completely understand that. It just feels like there's something going on here, and I can't quite put my finger on it. The talent is definitely off, although I think they have some potential to congeal and form a, a cohesive unit. But there seems to be something going on off the court. I'm not sure if it's Tyler seeing his name thrown into trade rumors here and there for James Harden. I'm not sure if it's Duncan and people questioning whether or not he should get paid which are all legitimate questions and all legitimate trade proposals, by the way. You know, Tyler Hero, I think I was higher on him in the offseason than anybody else, and I still understand why trades like this are a necessary function of trying to build a cohesive team, a team with a talent that can bring you a championship, but something is just, it's not working there. For Tyler, for Duncan, for Kelly Olynyk, for everybody else, even even Jimmy and Bam seem to struggle on occasion there, and I'm not sure exactly what the issue is. It just feels wrong here, and I I wish I could just I wish I could yell and scream and and do something ridiculous like that. I also feel like I could, I wish I could also just be as as morbid and depressed as possible and say things are going to end badly, and yet somehow I keep coming back to the fact that. I feel like this team could be better. Things are horrible right now, and yet I, I part of what makes it so horrible is that I know this team is capable of better. Maybe that's the ultimate takeaway from all this, is that as bad as things are, it's only because we know this team is capable of doing better. And I really feel like you know they can put it all together. Maybe this is all just a, a blip on the screen here. Maybe they win, win five or six of their next seven or eight games. Maybe they win eight of the next ten. It's unlikely considering the long West Coast road trip, but maybe they figure it out. Maybe they get pissed off enough where they just say, you know what, we're tired of having teams come in and beat us. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if they can do it theoretically. Yes. But I, I also think that if they are able to turn it around, then we just kind of forget these games happened and we move on. 
and you look forward to the next acquisition of whatever role player Pat Riley feels is necessary to bring in, whether it's Thad Young or P.J. Tucker or somebody else to help boost this team's title chances. Because I look at this roster, if Avery Bradley bounces back, he was hurt again in today's game. Hurt his calf. I'm not sure when he'll be back. Probably miss a couple games. But Goron looks off, looks older. I'm not sure if there are lingering injury issues. I don't think that's the case because earlier in the season he just looked phenomenal and then he's since tapered off. I think his rhythm is a little thrown off by everything and it happens at his age. If you can continue to get the production from these players that you assumed you'd be able to get, things should turn out okay. It just hasn't worked out that way. I mean, Kelly Olenek... I might be the last person to say this, but Kelly Olenek is a much better player than what we've seen tonight. Two of nine from the field. Two of eight from three-point range. It seemed like all he was doing was taking three-pointers. Still finished with a plus-minus, plus-eight, which is why that statistic sometimes pisses me off so completely. He was able to do lots of other things. I guess he pulled rebounds out, but even then, there were some key rebounds there in the waning moments of the game that he just let slip through his fingers. I know he's better than this. I know he's a better player than that. He is more talented. I know that we can pile on him as much as we like because he's white and seven feet tall and somewhat slower afoot and kind of looks like a 1990s grunge retread. But all these things notwithstanding, he is a really good player, really good offensive player, and solid defensively, improved in that regard. Had a nice block on Brooke Lopez, which, uh, sorry, Robin Lopez, which is something. You know, he's able to match his size, if nothing else. And somehow he just winds up having a real, real terrible night. Like, I'm looking at this box score right now, and I, I swore I wouldn't do this. Tyler Hero had 20 points, and somehow that felt like the emptiest 20 points I've ever seen. Bam Adebayo with 17 points. Jimmy Butler with 19 points. Even their bench was okay. Goran was you know, 4 of 11 for 10 points. Andre Iguodala was not a very good scorer tonight, the way he was the other night against Charlotte. Every Bradley was still able to chip in seven points. I mean, a lot of that is because of Washington's terrible defense. But I still think that I look at this roster and I, there's still enough talent here. I just I can't get around it. So I don't know. I, I'm still somehow hovering right above doom and gloom. Things are bleak right now. They're not great. And, I, and I'll say that 100 times out of 100. You look at this roster, you know they can do better. And that's the hope here. That's the... The thing that kind of carries me on. That's why I'm not completely in doom and gloom territory yet. Because I think they can figure it out. And somehow, I think they will. You look at that roster. You look at the coaching staff, which wasn't great. The coaching decisions have to be questioned. And you you look at even their responses post-game today, which I did see some video of. And it's what I've said many, many times about Eric Spolstra. No sense of disparity whatever, whatsoever. Not disparity, despair. No sense of despair from him. You look at him and he's just like, well, you know what? We have guys in this roster, in this locker room who have been through this before and know that it's going to change and know how to turn things around. I don't think that the locker room is going to start imploding just yet. I'm not sure where that implosion would come from. It's not going to be Jimmy. I don't think so. I think he loves these guys in a way he did not appreciate his Minnesota and Chicago tem- uh, you know, teammates. Maybe even his Philadelphia teammates, but that's neither here nor there. I think he actually likes these players somewhat. And if that's the case, I don't think he's going to be the one to tell them, you know, cut cut it out. Play better. I don't think he's going to turn on them, even though chemistry was such a big part of what made last year fun and successful. Let's be honest. 
So I'll talk about the team a little bit more. I can't. I, I don't know. I, I look at this roster, and I can't. I can't seem to just fall apart just yet. It was a, a tough decision for me. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here debating what to even talk about in today's podcast because, again, so many of you throw in the towel when it comes to losses and things like that, and you, you hope that people will continue to listen and have faith in this team and all that, but it, it doesn't quite work out that way. I, I just, I'm just i looking at them right now. I don't see that they're a hopeless situation yet. It's bad. It was an embarrassing loss. The Charlotte loss was also an embarrassing one, and yet somehow – not quite confident, but hopeful, and I have faith that they can turn it around. Again, if they win a bunch of games over the next handful, that includes a seven-game road trip and a rematch against these same Washington Wizards on Friday, we'll probably be forgetting all about these bad moments here. But hopefully that will turn it around soon. In the meantime, I want to get to some of your listener questions because so many of you sent those in via email, via direct message. And responding via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Thank you so much for doing that. I'll answer all of them here on the number one Miami Heat podcast for the latest news, rumors, and analysis. You don't ever have to worry about consistency when it comes to rockauto.com because with an ever-increasing number of makes and models, let me tell you, it's impossible to suck all the parts you might need in a traditional chain storefront. You hate going in there asking questions and then looking at the person behind the counter and wondering what's going on there, why they're ordering, ordering only the parts that they happen to carry on their computer. You've got a computer in your pocket or one at home, and you've got access to rockauto.com already. It's a family-owned business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. That's two decades. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers on their easy-to-use site, and you get everything you need with just a few clicks delivered to safely and directly to your door. Why spend more going to a chain store or a car dealership? RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So if you go to RockAuto.com right now and you see all the parts available for your car or truck, then you go to their How Did You Hear About Us section and you enter the phrase Locked On. Say so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today. It's a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. Again, I, what's the point of rehashing the minutia of the game? Maybe if you really you know, are somewhat sadomasochistic there, or masochistic anyway, and you want to watch it, go for it. You can watch them crumble apart in the fourth quarter. I don't know that there's much to, to take away there. Some things should have gone better. They made some really stupid decisions. There's a lot of passivity from this team giving up easy shots, passing out to three-pointers, bad defense, you name it. Post-game, I even tweeted out, hey, you know what? I think Deion, San uh, Deion, Deion Sanders, Deion Waiters might actually help this team. And I wasn't kidding. I mean, half kidding, just because I know that relationship is not going to ever repair between him and the Heat. But at the same time, that fearless personality, that injection of energy that boost that he even provided last December when he played in a couple games when there were injuries racking this roster he did come in and play everybody seems to forget that because everybody wants to make jokes about the gummies and everything that happened fat Dion which he wasn't I don't want to get into it too much but again that personality that fearlessness it could work here it's not going to happen 
So I'll just get into your listener questions and move on because this first one is an interesting one from Thomas Glasser. He writes in, is the coaching staff too trusting to a fault? That seems to be the only explanation for letting players continue to see the court when their play would suggest otherwise. Yeah, that's a great point, Thomas. Even Spo uh, asked, was asked questions about it in his postgame presser, and he did you know, kind of admit that he saw some things and he probably shouldn't have uh, left Duncan on the on the sidelines there, that he should have probably played him in the game uh, late in the fourth quarter. They probably could have used that clutch shooting, that gravity might have freed somebody up for uh, an easy layup when they desperately needed some offense and they weren't getting it from Goran Dragic. So Smolstra, by and large this season, has made some really, I'd say, bad decisions. Part of my hope when I started watching this season is looking back at what he did in the bubble and thinking to myself, you know, this was a man in Spolstra, I mean, who was so willing to make the hard decisions. He benched, you know, Myers Leonard. He benched Kendrick Nunn. He started Jay Crowder. I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is this is really good improvisation here. This is Spo taking chances, taking risk, and he's going to apply that this season as well because he's got that roster. He can make moves. He can do things differently. I have not seen that from Spo. I haven't seen that willingness to mix and match. And yes, he's been really, really hamstrung by the injuries, by COVID, by everything else. I You can't fault him too much. But tonight, tonight he, he blew it. Let's be honest. He made some bad decisions. And I am very, very willing to defend Eric Spolstra 99 times out of 100. I think he's one of the top coaches. Every, every coach has made a stupid decision at one point or another, and I don't think, even think tonight was that egregious. It was a mistake on Spo's part, and I think he'll be the first to admit it after the fact, that he probably could have done something differently. But you know what? He's also the mentality that when you get that playing time, you figure it out, and he's right there too. Like, if Goran Dragic is playing too long, that falls on Spo, but it also falls on Goran not to be so bad of a player. And maybe it's age, maybe it's injury, and maybe he's not willing to admit it because of pride and everything else. But if he's out on the floor, he just needs to do better. Too many times he was exposed between him and Tyler and to a lesser degree Duncan. They're getting targeted so damn badly. It just forces the defense to shift completely, unevenly, I might add, because you've got you know, a player, Ish Smith, or Bradley Beal driving against Goran Dragic, and next thing you know, you need Jimmy Butler to to double-team whoever Goran is guarding. That leads to this cascade effect where everybody has to move over one, and invariably you're going to leave somebody open in the corner. So if you drive along the baseline, you wind up getting a nice easy look to a wide-open shooter from the corner. And if somebody's somehow able to close out, usually Bam Adebayo, they can always swing that ball back to the wing. Somebody's going to be out on there and, and, and wide open because, again, Everybody's moving around, moving around. No point of attack defense. And maybe Avery Bradley could, you know, correct some of that. But there's still this tendency on everybody in this roster to double team and help and everything else like that. No no engagement. No, I'll lock you down. No clamping of defensive presence there. I, I feel like that was the difference between, you know, having a Derrick Jones or even a Jay Crowder out there because they would just, they would man up. They would hold on to their, their player, whoever they were guarding, and you could trust that they would be able to at least limit or impact their ability to drive and get an easy look to the rim. That isn't the case this year. They're undersized, they're slow afoot, and not particularly adept defensively. And it's paying. It's 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 paying off for everybody else, and it's hurting Miami big time. 
Uh, this question comes in from Adrian, kind of tying into the original question there. When KO was throwing up all over himself with three-point heaves, he's referring to a third quarter that was abysmal. This is where the lead was absolutely squandered because they had this great momentum and somehow they were all looking for, as many people had hinted at during the game itself, the home run punch. They were just looking for everything to to just knock the Wizards out, break them, and, and coast for the rest of the night. Instead, they wound up missing nine straight three-pointers. Nine straight three-pointers. Several possessions ending in a missed three-pointer interrupted by one make from Bam Adebayo. And there was a couple other misses there from him in two-point range as well. So just I think they scored two points out of 13 possessions, something like that. I'd have to go back and check the math, but it was basically something along those lines. 12, 13 possessions, getting two points out of it. And that great offense, 0. .0 what, six points per possession? <laughs> Not ideal. Not ideal. Uh, and so when KO was throwing up all over himself, as Adrian writes, why wasn't a change made sooner to take him out? Goran having a rough game. Why was he closing the game? Duncan left off the floor. It was five seconds left down. Three, why? Bam, switching so much. Why? I think this is pretty uh, symbolic of the frustration there that a lot of you feel. And so I answered the Duncan situation already. The Goran one, again, tied into that. You take Goran out, you put Duncan in. You probably have Bam or Jimmy initiating offense as you do anyway. You don't necessarily need that point guard. I feel like Spo wants to believe in his guys, especially the veterans, and he wants to leave them out there to, to kind of take their chances. And, and yeah, they're going to make mistakes, but as long as they're able to respond, he gives them just enough rope. Uh, unfortunately, that slack that he gives them is often enough for them to hang themselves with, and, and that's unfortunate because with Kelly in particular – Look, he, you know, he's capable of making big plays. He was diving to the rim. He had some nice defensive possessions there. Pulled down 11 rebounds. You look at that, and I guess from Spo's perspective, he's contributing. He's making a, high, a great impact. And yet, he's taking these bad shots. Can't seem to get into a comfortable rhythm. But what if it's the inverse? What if, you know, he misses the first two, and then he hits the next three? You never know until you leave him out there and have him kind of play through it. The next one could be the one. Unfortunately, it just never came. So I understand Spo's decision-making. It also looks really, really bad in hindsight. This next question comes in from Todd Bassard, who writes, how will they ever win when their two best players only ever seem to want to get everyone else going? Where is their aggressiveness? <sighs> look, this is a tough question to answer because you look at what makes Bam and Jimmy so effective. It's partly because they do make place for others. You don't want to ever just have your gunners because, look, the the inverse, the flip side of this is when you have a gunner along the lines of, say, uh, Kobe Bryant, maybe even Dwayne Wade. And we're, we're, we're thinking about Dwayne in those points because, you know, he was able to score in bunches, but he was also the team's point guard, effectively. You know, he was also making plays for everybody else during his prime. And so you can't take away that component of what makes him so effective because you have to respect the fact that he can make that pass, that Jimmy and Bam can make that pass to get a Duncan going, to get a Kelly O going. So I, I don't want to curb that. And I think from Bam, it's still a work in progress. For Jimmy, you know, I, there were still moments there where he looked like he was capable of being the aggressor, where he was able to slow things down. And he had 11 free throws in the night. 
That's exactly what you wanted out of Jimmy Butler. I mean, 5 of 11, a typically bad shooting. He missed a couple of bunnies. Really, a couple of bunnies at the rim. And I'm not sure if he's still working his way back from COVID. Maybe he's having some issues as far as conditioning or things of that sort of concern. I don't want to speculate on that. But the playmaking is still something you want him to be able to do. And it's just, you know, if he hits a couple extra shots... It's still a really, really good night for Jimmy Butler. So I'm not questioning his aggressiveness. I'd say it's Bam mostly. I'd say Jimmy passes up a couple shots here and there at the rim, but more often than not, he's looking to get to the free throw line, first and foremost, and then secondary is getting his shot, and then tertiary looking to get others going. And I think that's fine because it's, again, the third as far as his priorities when it comes to being the playmaker or the guy with the high usage, the high volume of, of possession in his hands, you know, and and so, to me, it's it's okay. Jimmy, I'm not worried about too much. Does he make some questionable decisions? Yeah, but you kind of live with those. Again, same way. It's it's the variance that you have to live with when it comes to Jimmy. It's like yes, you want him to be able to make those plays. You want him to be able to be aggressive too. But what if he makes that play and he swings the ball out, kicks it out to the perimeter, and Tyler knocks down the shot, or Kelly Olynyk knocks down that shot, or whomever? Then you're looking back and saying, well, yeah, pretty good night for him. He finished with nine assists. He was getting everybody going, and that's great. You need that kind of distribution of the ball. You need that kind of distribution on offense, too, because it makes this team dangerous. It made them dangerous last year where they were able to generate so many points off passing and assists and everything else. It's what made that offense so great. Their shooting has fallen off the cliff a little bit, a little bit. I'll have to go back and really dig into the numbers there. But Duncan Robinson, 3 of 8 overall, I think that's problematic. I'm not sure what that issue is. Kelly in the starting lineup not playing as well. You know, they're missing Myers. Myers didn't take a lot of shots, but he hit on, you know, 50% of them early on in the season in particular. And so uh, you're missing that kind of boost that you were getting from him. Maybe it was just three per game. Maybe it was two or three per game. But he was knocking down, you know, one or two of those per game. So if that's the case, you're getting a, a higher percentage of those shots to fall. So... You know, the aggressiveness is what it is. Um, but I think Bam needs to be a little bit more aggressive looking for his shot. And he was intimidated by the size of Lopez and then Alex Len, who is another legitimate seven-footer. So between the two of them, it wasn't easy for Bam to get his mid-range shot going. And uh, he wasn't able to get to the line as often as he normally could or should. Uh, only attempted, let's see what I'm, uh, two, two free throws. Yeah, that's not good. That's, that's where the, the aggressiveness needs to come in a little bit more. Uh, this next question comes in from Kyle. At this point, does a massive roster, sorry, massive roster overhaul have to be explored? Is anyone beyond Jimmy and Bam safe? Or even they safe? Does a massive roster overhaul have to be explored? No, you can't do that. I, I really I know there's been some mockery that trading the depth that I, I mean I've something I've suggested early on that I thought depth was going to be such an important part of this season because of COVID and everything else that you don't necessarily want to trade five contributors or five rotational players for a very talented player like a James Harden or something like that I don't think that was ever the issue separating Miami from Brooklyn like Brooklyn could offer more than Miami could again the the nuances of a deal that fell apart notwithstanding I still think that Miami probably made the right decision by not trading away that much depth for a superstar player. Mock it if you must, but I still I still think it's a good decision. I don't think that's the reason why they're losing as, or they've lost as much as they have. That's still 
mostly due to injuries and COVID. But a massive roster haul at this point of season, I have to think it's a really, really bad decision. I still think that you can get the most out of this current roster and you can make changes around the edges that will help you get back to where you were last year. And if that's the case, then all this is for naught. I, I, I know people are concerned. I know people are panicking. Probably a little needlessly at this point. It's still early in the season. A little later than you'd like to be, you know, kicking up the uh, you know offense to a higher degree, you know, but you are where you are right now and, and you can't change the past. But a, a massive overhaul right now, not a, a good decision, I don't think. I don't think you want to be able to do that. Like, you know, having to build chemistry with new players and things like that, you don't have an opportunity for practices. You don't have a chance to get that chemistry. And look, let's assume that you can pull off the roster overhaul. I mean, what are you going to get that's significantly better than what you already have now? You're not going to get a superstar player. There aren't any superstars available right now. Not even Bradley Beal, I think, is ultimately all that available. I don't think Victor Oladipo is getting traded until the offseason also. Or if he's a free agent at that point, I don't I don't know that he's going to be moved during the season. So you're not getting a superstar upgrade. What what are you going to trade as far as, you know, for roster upgrades? More role players? Different role players? You think you can bring in P.J. Tucker and Thad Young or whoever, LaMarcus Aldridge, and that's suddenly going to take this offense to another level? Suddenly going to help defense when there's no chemistry? When you, you lack Myers Leonard and his vocal leadership out there? defensively I don't think you're going to get that I don't think you're going to get any kind of significant improvement that way so to me no massive overhaul is worth exploring right now but to your second question is anyone beyond Jimmy and Bam safe no no they are not and yes they are safe you cannot trade Bam Adebayo he is your centerpiece he is your star you signed up to a lot of money for him to be traded you'd need a superstar return again Nobody's looking to make that kind of change this season. Not in the middle of the season. Jimmy, certainly you can't trade either. For one, there's the money aspect. I, I don't think, unless he goes into the, to the Pat Riley's office right now and says, look, I can't win here. I made a mistake. And, and then what? You trade him to the Clippers? Houston? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't see that working out either. And... I just I don't think he wants out of here. I think he still has faith. I think he's upset because he wants to win, but he's also missed so much the season. It's hard for him to kind of really think about it any other way. It's like, yeah, we can win. We're playing crappy right now, but we can be better. So to me, I, I just I feel like he's still all in on this team because they've got banned, because they have so much, and they just I don't think they have any legitimate answers. They're not looking for excuses, I'll tell you that much, but they're not they don't have any kind of clear perspective as to what happens next. Anyway, I'll talk about Spo and uh, some of the other issues revolving around this team in the next segment. Uh, you're listening to Locked on Heat. Look, the Super Bowl is this weekend. You can still bet on NBA games. There's other sports like table tennis. I've talked about $64 million in Colorado alone spent on online gaming. It's a statistic that really stands out to me. But why not explore making a little money on your own? There's one place that has you covered. And one place that we trust as a network, that's betonline.ag. If you sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag, you can get a promo code and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That promo code is locked on. Again, there's a Super Bowl, NBA game, so many different things that you can potentially bet on and make a little money. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on. 
to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And now that the holidays are behind us, even though this heat season is kind of ruining your chances of, of getting some much-needed sleep, it's more important than ever to try and get some uh, sleep whenever possible. And our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to sleep harder than ever before. CBD PM blends 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD with melatonin, valerian root, chamomile, and other sleep-producing ingredients to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. And if you want to relax a little bit before bed, their new CBD bath salts fuse superior CBD with Epsom, dead salt, and Himalayan salts to turn any bath into a luxury experience. All are available in lavender or eucalyptus scents, as well as a soothing nighttime blend with melatonin and calming herbs. And right now, We'll make it easier for you than ever before. You can get 25% off when you next order. Use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, at CBDMD.com and use the promo code NBA for 25% off your next purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. Reminder that you can always reach me via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskAloheat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. So, so many questions to get through. And again, I have to say, I am so impressed by all of you who send in questions. It's clear that you're frustrated and still your level of dedication is unbelievable. So I am very, very, very happy to be able to answer your questions as best I can. If I can't get to them all today, I will try my best to answer them in the next couple episodes. Again, the Heat play on Friday. May record tomorrow with my former co-host, Wes Goldberg. I'm not sure if he's really down to this, or I might just kind of focus on Myers Leonard's career now that he's unfortunately gone through season-ending shoulder surgery and his tenure with uh, with Miami is probably over. Uh, But this next question comes in from Heat Culture DC, who asks, did you have more fun watching this team or the Deion James Johnson teams? Oh, Oh boy, what a question to answer! You're really taking me back here. That tweet from about Dion Waiters already got me down this process anyway, and now this question has just taken me back five years. So, did I have more fun watching this team or the 2016-17 Heat? I would have to say I'm still having somehow more fun now because the season's not over. Things are bad. They're frustrating. But I still think they're going to get better. But that team was just so tough. Look, and you have to quantify it by saying half the season was garbage. Half the season was as much fun as I've ever had covering a team, maybe second to last year. Because that 30-11 run towards the end was so exciting. And to see them have game winner after game winner from Dion and that 7-11 partnership and everything working out so well and role players stepping up, Josh Richardson taking that leap, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That, that second half of the season was fun. But that first half was just miserable. And, and it was hard to talk about basketball. If you're a longtime listener, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The, the power forward belt that, that Wes and I used to try and talk about or talk ourselves into as to who was going to step in and produce something of merit from the power forward position. If you think it's a bad position now, 2016 was even worse. Luke Babbitt was consistently 
the the best power forward. Uh, James Johnson had got on an occasion, but you know the Johnson experience with him, where he was going to throw the ball away five times and then score on, on five straight possessions because you never know with James. I, look, I I'd have to say this season is still more fun just because it's more of a question mark. The expectations being higher for this team than that group probably make it. it how about this? This season will have a higher ceiling and a lower floor than that one. Even that, even though that was eleven and thirty, and that was a pretty low flow, low low floor, but it was just you didn't have those kind of expectations. You didn't think that this team was going to go anywhere. You knew that they were rebuilding because you know they had lost Dwayne in free agency, and Chris Bosh was going to be available to the team, and so you know they had offered all these one year prove it deals to Dion and Derek Williams and others, and it just you knew that the expectations were lowered for you that that it was going to be a sort of quasi rebuilding season. It didn't work out that way. Because of course they wound up uh, getting one game shy of making the playoffs, so I, I I still have to give it to this season. But thank you for that trip down memory lane here. Uh, Daniel writes in: When is Spo going to get questioned on his rotation, and when is Pat going to step in and make a trade? We've seen enough. Well, I've already questioned Spo. I think Spo's questioning Spo. I think lots of people are questioning Spo on his rotations. I don't think anybody's harder on Eric Spolstra than Eric Spolstra. That's partly why he's as successful as he is, why he's been able to build himself up. Uh, if you know anything about heat culture and what Eric's been able to accomplish throughout his career, you know he's a hard worker. He's as dedicated as anybody in the league, probably doubly so than everybody else in the league. And so he's going to try and find a way to figure it out to the best of his abilities. I have faith that he will. Uh, but I also think that Pat Riley is already knocking the doors of several teams. And look, I, I remember a, a piece, I can't recall exactly now where it came from. I want to say it was one of Alex Kennedy's last pieces on Hoops Hype where he talked about the nature of trades and what that discussion is like. Everybody thinks it's this you know really tense moment, kind of like a, a, a movie or like Draft Day, that movie, the terrible movie from what I've heard. I've never actually seen it with Kevin Costner where you, you pull off a deal, it's you know five seconds and it's a tense conversation and there's background music playing there as you you play hardball with the opposing GM and of course they give in to your demands because well you're Kevin Costner I don't think even Pat Riley has that kind of influence you call the people that you feel comfortable with you have long-term relationships you're placing feelers throughout the season and so you make a call probably in October at the start of this season or at the end of last season you go well you know just kind of figuring out what's going to happen what, what what's your feeling on this player and then you kind of have other conversations, and then those conversations peter out, or they ramp up, or they just kind of get put on hold because eventually you'll have that recollection that, oh, yeah, I did talk to Pat about X player. Maybe he'd be interested in revisiting. And then you kind of touch base again, and then these calls are made. If there's somebody that Pat Riley and this Heat front office believe can be a great addition to this team. They've done whatever research they need to do. They've already made at least an initial round of calls, if not a secondary round of calls, just to gauge exactly what you know somebody from the Chicago Bulls might want for Thad Young, what uh, Raphael Stone in Houston might want for P.J. Tucker, etc. So uh, those calls have already been made. I don't think it's going to be the kind of wide-sweeping changes a lot of you might want, but you know it's something. It's something uh, as far as the, the kind of improvements that you all might want. This next question comes in from Miles. He writes in, To what extent do you think the offense stalls out due to the lack of attacking the basket that, unfortunately, K-Nunn used to be really good at last season? Well, yeah, that's my that's the rationale 
for me anyway, regarding my tweet about uh, Dion Waiters, somebody who attacks the basket, who you know might not finish at the rim, but at least create something, uh, uh, the same kind of imbalance that we see Miami's defense suffering. Like if he is able to collapse the defense by attacking the paint and being a, a somewhat legitimate threat, you're going to have mismatches. You're going to have wide open shots if whoever has the ball in their hands is willing to kick it out to the perimeter. Something that Dion did, something that Kendrick Nunn is not willing to do. And that's the difference to me about Nunn and Waiters is that Nunn is not going to be making the plays for others as readily as Dion is. And again, Dion was a score first player. I also think he was much more of a playmaker than Kendrick will be. And so given all that, I, I still want the ball in Dion's hands if he's able to, again, collapse the defense. One of the things that led to, say, Hassan Whiteside having his breakout year was because Dion was collapsing his defenders. He would draw multiple defenders with him to, as he was barreling towards the rim. He would put up a missed shot. Call for the and one, and there was Hassan to clean up the mess, corral the rebound, and uh, you know, put in the putback too. So that's why his numbers were somewhat inflated. It was playing alongside a guy like Dion, who you knew was going to attack first and try to get to the rim. And so, to Miles's point, yeah, K. Nunn does that to some degree and makes things easier for anybody for everybody else. If, if Kendrick Nunn is able to drive to the rim. You know, so all of a sudden, Bam's defender has to sag off of him. Maybe he draws somebody else with him, and then you have to worry about Tyler here on the perimeter. You have to worry about, uh, you know, Duncan Robinson on the perimeter. There isn't anybody like that right now because Jimmy can get to the rim, but he's not. He, he doesn't do it with the same kind of speed, and you're not worried about his pull-up jumper to the same degree. I don't know. It's a little different. You know that he's going to be a little bit more passive than Kanan, so you have to respect. You give Jimmy, you sag off Jimmy a little bit more, knowing that he's perfectly capable and willing of dishing that ball to somebody on the perimeter. And so it's a little different. With none, I think as quick as he is, he can get past that initial defender, and then he'll pull up for that shot. And, you know, maybe it falls, maybe it doesn't. So it's a it forces the defense to do things a little different. That's That's... You know, just thinking about this question right now for the first time, I think uh, I think that's that's my my rationale as far as that's concerned. I I do think it's a factor. I think it would make things easier to have somebody able to collapse defenses as he drive to the paint. They don't have that right now. Goran looks slow. He doesn't draw the same kind of attention he once did, and uh, nobody's really respecting. One, I mean, there was a moment there, which we've seen throughout his career, where he kind of loops around the baseline. There, he's probing, and nobody seems to really care. They're even giving him space because he doesn't seem aggressive enough. He, he used to be able to curl around along the baseline and then look to see if he had any space and he would pull up for a you know, 10, 15-footer. Not anymore. I haven't seen that from him in a while, and, and I'm not sure if it's going to come back anytime soon. I'm not sure if his confidence is a little off. He seems to be mostly a catch-and-shoot three-pointer at this point. Uh, you know, his, his speed has... Is different. He doesn't same have the same kind of elite deceleration that he once did, which was able to help him get to the line. There's no the iron shoulder comes out a lot less, and it's a lot more brittle than it once was. Look, there are a lot of other questions I could get to. I feel like I've probably gone on already too long, but uh, I wanted to thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to the show, um, and make sure that you also check out Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast because March Madness. Still a month or two away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Chad Ford has his first big board of the year out with profiles of 
Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. So subscribe to the NBA Big Board Podcast wherever you get podcasts. Make sure you get your team every day just by asking your smart device to play Locked on Heat. I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you, as always, for your support. And remember that 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. The exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors for sponsoring today's show. I don't